Hi and welcome to Green Planet Blueprint Podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists who are committed to planetary purpose, or in other words, holistic visions for planet Earth. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with David Block. David is known as the human experience and is constantly pushing the boundaries of live electronic music. Playing, composing, and conducting his own electronic symphony live on stage, his performances are brimming and layered with human emotion, world exploration, and sacred sounds. Whether performing by himself or with a live band, the human experience always delivers an emotionally charged show. With his musical projects, The Human Experience, and his latest band, Gone Gone Beyond, he aims to cross cultural barriers through music. David has collaborated with artists all over the world, including Rising Appalachia, Ignacio Perez, William Close, Random Rap, Elephant Revival, and many, many others. Each song is a sonic journey interweaving psychedelic layers of melody and harmony with organic grooves and international lives. So with these words, welcome to the show, David. Hey. I think that bio still hangs. It's always interesting to update your bio, you know? I think that one's went through some nice iterations. I like it. Yeah, but... I like it. I, I specifically <laughs> like the interweaving psychedelic layers. Um, uh-huh. I feel like a lot of people that listen to the human experience sounds, they, that's, what they're, that's what they're experiencing is like the multidimensionality hmm. of sound, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that I've always tried to use a lot of a lot of thing, a lot of simple layers to create complex harmonies, simple melodies, and then that overlay into creating more complex polyrhythms and interesting things. And I think that seems to be one of the experiences I, I get uh, from people who listen to the music, or that they end up singing, they use their own voice, and I, I end up leaving a lot of space in music. And, nice. Um, it's yeah. like an interactive piece, even though you, you kind of designed it by yourself, but it, it like lends itself for interactivity. Honestly, I think yeah. I've rapped on your, uh, on your <laughs> lives before, by myself, obviously, like in the Ooh. car. <laughs> Not to be shared quite yet. But <laughs> next, next, next podcast. Exactly. Next podcast is going to be only music um, by the two of us. Yeah. Possibly people tune out after like 30 seconds. <laughs> it's okay. We got an A for effort. Exactly. Hey, man. So... I really want to. I really want to hear a little bit more about your story today, and mm-hmm. kind of the adversity that you had to go through in order to really understand that music and harmonizing through music is is what's coming mm-hmm. through you. Um, well, that's a constantly unfolding journey, full of. I always tell people that I think I go through like a, a monthly existential crisis of of everything I'm doing being worthless and um you know as much as i am a creator of art and music i've always considered myself a philosopher and always trying to understand the deeper meanings of why we do the things that we do why is music important why do i even care about making music at all what is the purpose of art at all um and so you're catching me at an interesting time today uh, only because I he may not be gone yet, but a friend of mine passed, an amazing music producer, DJ, good friend, part of my starting point, mm. like one of the first people that kind of I made some music with. And um, I think anytime someone like that, although I'm not as close with him these days, uh, just brought back a lot of memories of 
when you feel the passion and the fire to do something so much you can't not do it and, um, versus some of the other things that happen when you have been a professional in a field for over a decade um, and how some of those the different arcs change and those different at the, those different points of adversity change um, from maybe initially being financial or creative or spiritual to um, what it feels like to run an ultra marathon, you know, which is really life as art instead of just um, you know, moving into the second decade of music, you know, is the different points of adversity than those initial points. And so, yeah, I've just been reflecting a lot about that today um, and the impact that we leave. And I think that's kind of one of the things I'm, kind of really leaning into more is that for me, it's really more what kind of legacy am I leaving? What kind of, if I'm, if I'm leaving a legacy for five years or am I leaving a legacy for many generations? Mm. Um, I was reading yesterday. It's like, tell me the five most famous people from the 15th century. <laughs> Oh, wait, you don't have one, do you? Uh, 1400s? Oh, my how about God. Four, how about 1400s? How about 16, 1600s? Oh, 1500s? Oh, would be the first one that I'd think of, I guess. 1500s we can the start to get to because it's the Renaissance, Lawrence right? Renaissance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. How about 1300s? <laughs> maybe, maybe like Martin Luther or was that earlier who like did mm, That's 12th, cent 12th century. Yeah, so like, don't ask me. But that's impressive. I'm glad that we century. both know Mar Martin Luther. I think that's around 12. I, I well, have some. Uh, the rest of the famous people of the time aren't really that mention worthy, I feel, because they did stuff, but not all that stuff was really good. So the guy who made the book print. No, I mean, that's, there that's was lots of amazing people doing um, incredible. There's never been a <laughs> yeah. shortage of brilliant thinkers from Plato to Socrates, from the pre-Hispanic uh like you know ancient olmec people who are searching at the stars there's always been great wisdom coming through Fair enough. whether or not we, that thanks wisdom, for calling me out right away i like that yeah so many incredible thinkers um i mean i i um one of the things i do is collage i love collage as a mixed media visual artist that's been really healing for me to explore another medium that hasn't had the burden of needing to make money, uh, but to have like a creative expression that is not inhibited by the need to monetize it. Anyway, but one of the things with it, which is really fun is I only collage from books. So I collect beautiful, beautiful books and then I cut the books um, into cutting out these pieces. But while I'm cutting out all these pieces, I le I've learned so many interesting things because uh, the books I like are like, ancient alchemy books and you know 12th century gnostic mysticism and oh, wow. <laughs> uh and that's why i was like oh no 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 there's some incredibly beautiful people like you know christian mystics that didn't get celebrated uh and incredible muslim poets hafiz and you know rumi like obviously we know those but like so many other ones Jewish mystic. Curious. I didn't know you had such a such a good historic knowledge, but that that is 
that is really beautiful that there's there's always been people who express consciousness through the human form in like an epic always kind of way let's let me let me trail back to the question there and yeah and kind of the starting point too i think what you said was it's not about making art it's about life is the art form and living that out loud mm -hmm. and so was there a shifting point for you like you know everyone who's, who's tuning in the tribe that's listening like i know so many people have this feeling like oh it's it's too late for me or like mm. that's just not who i am and we know all that isn't real right like it's it's a limitation of the mind so like was there a mind shifting point for you or was it kind of always clear to david block like life is art um no there have been many like kind of like i like to think of the hero's journey of our life as like i'm scaling a giant sheer cliff and each one of these mark uh, points which i'll share with you are kind of like these markers of like a belay like if i'm climbing up this thing and i'm like okay i got here i'm here now mm. if i fall i'll hopefully not fall past this point um Interesting. And I've had several of them like that. Um, I mean, I think growing up, I was always a very alternative learner. I've always been hyper creative. I, you know, I had to have an, I had to take tests in a private room growing up because I could, I, my focus, I, I was heavily medicated for ADD and ADHD for oh, 12 wow. years. Um, and although I was super supported by really brilliant and intelligent, loving parents, I, it was like, I always had just a strong challenge with conventional learning. I'm not a conventional <laughs> learner and I just really, my disposition does not work well to being told what to do. Mm. Um, and so that was, I had a really challenging upbringing. I could and, see, uh, I could see how that's challenging for you. I don't like it particularly either, but like, yeah. Yeah, but some people do it better than others and I really don't do it good. Um, and uh, anyway, you know, so through my childhood, I, I went to public schools. I wasn't really as familiar with alternative education. And I got a lot of, as I said, a lot of love and help. And um, I went to a lot of therapy. Uh, so I learned how to communicate and use my voice and share my feelings and share my emotions from a young age. Um, but I was always really challenged with being able to, I mean, it was never even in the realm of possibility to be a professional artist growing up. It just wasn't something that was even on my radar. Um, I was always very creative, but I was very, very creative with business. My parents were always very business minded. So mm -hmm. I was like, I want to be an entrepreneur. Like my dream was to be a VC. Like when I was 16, wow. I was studying entrepreneurship in high school, which was they had the first entrepreneurship program. I was always, that was my my MO was I want to navigate the world of money and resources and learn how to do that. I didn't have any spiritual anything to understand like what were my real drivers of like safety, stability, security, my base levels of the mind that I'd been nurtured to thinking were the important parts of my life growing up. Um, but it was really, really, I mean, it wasn't even, I dropped out of college. That was not a thing for my parents, my parents. That was not even in the universe of possibilities Yeah, was dropping out of college. It was like, I was going to be like a doctor or a lawyer or like, and I had a, started my first business when I was 11 years old. 
12 years old. So I, I, I've oh, always really? had a very strong business acumen. Yeah. I just like, you know, if I, I just always have, I started pretty early and I just, you know, if I was wearing clothes, I was like, I could make my own clothes and I could sell them. If I was playing games like magic cards when I was a kid, like I was like, I can sell these cards. Other people need these cards. It was right. just, it was just kind of how I was raised. Um, but that, you know, which is beautiful now. I mean, I'm grateful. I run my own business. I run all of my businesses, um, as well as, you know, put out lots of art and music and focus on the other side of my brain. But yeah, that, I guess the adversity and that switching point came with the death, another death of a close friend of mine. Um, I was doing pretty well. I had been going to college at the University of Arizona, but I partied way too hard. And my mm. parents took me out of college, which I was like, just crushed beyond your wildest imagination of feeling betrayal and everything that what I thought was my perfect world just crumbling. And I was a personal trainer, I was in fitness. Mm. And uh, I was doing really well, I had really great clients, um, moved back to Los Angeles, started going to college here. And then I lost my friend, Brian. And when he died, I ju it just sent me into like a whole spiral of like, who am I living my life for? Like, am I, I, I'm doing fine. Like I'm making good money. I had a new car. I, you know, I was on track to do well with what I thought life was supposed to look like. And, um, and then that happened and I was like, well, maybe this isn't what life is supposed to look like. You know, like I, I yeah. everyone told me this, but, but am I just, am I living the life that everyone else thinks is great for them instead of what I actually think is great for me? And what does that even mean? Like, what does great for me even mean? Like, I don't even know. It was like, just like an abyss of like, I have existential crises of, I have no idea what's happening. And I was playing music at that time, but no one was listening to it because I had no friends that really listened or played music. Mm -hmm. It's just not really where I, I came that from. That was just not your, your world, your community at the time. Not really. I had one friend who played guitar and he was one of my closest friends. And like we jammed a little bit occasionally together. And then I had another friend, finally, Michael Vince, big shout out to him, who finally listened to my music and was like, dude, your music's good. Like you should play it more. And um, that was like between like, you know, 18 and 21, 17, 17 and 21. Um, but I mean, being a professional music, musician was like, as I said, not <laughs> so far away in another universe. You can't even imagine. Is that loud? By oh my God, we teleported, Julian. Isn't that weird? For any of you who are watching a video right now, we just moved locations because there was a loud lawnmower. So I'm just going to keep, I'll continue. Um, anyway, um, yeah. So when that, when that happened, when, when Brian kind of went away I was just I just yeah I had to figure out what was going on for my life people were listening no one was really listening to my music as I was saying and um I had a couple friends encouraging me but I did have a feeling I'm like I feel like I'm this is good like it feels good and I'll and I'll go back to that point well I'll just tell you I you know I ended up having a mentor many years later who was like if if you don't think it's good then no one else is going to think it's good 
you know, you have to think, you have to fucking love it. You know, like if you love it, like love it, love it, love it, love it, and you work at it long enough, it'll eventually work out. I didn't figure that out till later, but anyway, um, I I was loving it. Great advice, by the way. Like right there. Yeah, you have to fucking love it, like hard. Like I do not recommend being a professional artist for people. It is a horribly, intensely challenging thing. And unless you are going to just die, unless you don't do it, then do something else. But if, but if you, if you have the fire and you can learn how to stoke the fire, um, then do it. But, um, but that's what kind of where I was starting to get. It's like, I was starting to get like, I love this. I was working all day and then I would leave work at out for an hour and I'd run home and I'd be making music in my, in my room by myself. And it just got more and more and more and more. And then, you know, finally when, yeah, when Brian died, I was just like, what, what the, fuck am I doing Mm. like this is not my life I don't even know what my life means and my mom suggested that I start meditating and I um I told her that yeah and I told her that meditating was for hippies and was a bunch of bullshit and um and I just didn't understand and I was really angry and emotional and upset and I didn't have a I didn't understand what was happening um and then I finally did I got like a little glimpse into it and I I'll tell a super abbreviated version of the story but I went out to this party with some friends of mine at the Pacific Design Center which is this bougie design center in Los Angeles and all my friends were like you know wanting to go to clubs and bottle service and new cars and rims on your cars and just like bitches. And I just, you know, I just, things that I just, I'm like, they really just, I don't feel really good about. And I didn't really feel great about it then, but that's just what all I knew. And I went out to this party and uh, met this super cute bartender and was talking to her. And, uh, and I was like, Hey, we should hang out sometime. And she's like, I don't think that there's any point in that. <laughs> I was like, that's wow. kind of forward. That's either and, really direct or just yeah, like, she yeah, didn't and like I, you. Yeah. And I, no, I was like, we were having a great conversation. So yeah, I was like, yeah. but why? What, what, what's what? And she's like, you know, I'm leaving. So I don't know if there's a point in staying in touch. This is like pre-Facebook or anything. And I'm like, where are you going? And she's like, I'm moving to Ghana. Oh, wow. And it, that had never happened in any where in my life before I didn't know you could do that Hmm. I just was just wasn't aware that that was an option I was like I don't understand like you're making so much money you're doing so good you're a hot Hollywood bartender you're probably making like two hundred thousand dollars a year bartending like what isn't that the dream (laughs) (laughs) and she's like I'm going I'm leaving and I'm going to go do volunteer work and like in that moment, like I had a, fl- it flipped a switch in my consciousness. Nice. And I was like, me too. I'm getting the fuck out of here. And a couple months later, I quit my awesome job. And over the course of the next year, sold every single thing that I owned, including my car and everything. And I backpacked and traveled around the world for over two and a half years and Sweet. lived in Guatemala and Nicaragua. I lived in India. Um, and I learned how to live life yeah. from, a, from a place of surrender and from actually taking control of my own life 
and making my and 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 and, and by that I mean absolutely having no control at all and fully surrendering into the um i at least appear to be making my choices and as long as i have that power i'm going to see if i can do a good thing with this life uh, david thanks for <clears throat> for going that far back and kind of you know sh showing that that part of yourself that um you know went through like a massive transformation i think it's so beautiful for one to hear all these like background stories but also like it just shows transformation is real and the environments we grow up in, they might not always be favorsome for the most soul to be expressed. Right. And that's what a lot of humans are going through in this like beginning of the 21st century. And so mm. when soul kicks in like different messages and awareness of choice comes, comes through. Mm. Let me ask you a follow-up question to that. And um, you can go as deep as you want, but what role did like, a conscious psychedelic exploration play in that journey of bringing more and more and more soul out. Mm -hmm. Pretty big one. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. Here, yeah. Here, yeah. Cause here's the deal. Most humans for some reason are totally content with the reality that they've been given, which is as a general rule of thumb, basic, life as we know it consciousness agrarian societies are about 12,000 years old for a large portion of the planet it was created in seven days or some other creation myth that you can make up you know but for the general scientific population and darwinian evolution humans evolved you know over the course of three million years to mm. 12,000 years ago where all of a sudden agrarian society and written language and all these things just like just popped out of nowhere and, you know, maybe there's some primitive cave paintings in France somewhere that are 20,000 years old, but for the general rule of thumb, from about 3 million years ago to about 12,000 years ago, we were yeah. just a bunch of monkey people. Maybe we had fire and we had some basic tools, but as a whole, that's what was happening. And then we evolved and now we're doing all these things. Now we're, we're just basically slave race where people just are, using an archaic industrial education model and just following that narrative of what we call just what we think is reality. Yeah. That's the normal yeah. general consensus reality. And when I was 16, I discovered psychedelics. I did it in a really, different way than most of anyone I knew because most of my friends were smoking weed and I was super, I defriended my whole friend group in high school for smoking weed. Okay. There was a, it was more middle school, but like right yeah. when people started smoking weed from like 13 to 15, I was like, Oh my God, it's unbelievable. I can't be around you ever. And then I started thinking for myself, I'm like, I should probably look into this myself, draw my own conclusions which, you know, some, just some intellectual wisdom. Let's just look into this and see how I actually feel into it. Uh, I always asked a lot of questions. I always had a challenge with like, what came before time? And people were like, don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing came before time. That's not a, don't think about that. And uh, so I just started asking questions about everything. I was like, well, what about marijuana? What about all these other things? So I found Arrowhead, 
if you're not familiar with airwood.org are you familiar with airwood airwood is one of the i'm no. aware that it exists but i haven't <clears throat> actually at all checked into that now if you are interested in psychedelics and you want to know more about psychedelics just go to airwood and you can go find out about like trip history you can try find out about pharmacology you can find out about <clears throat> legality you can find out about anything that you want it's amazing hmm. so i went there and I started reading and I was like, this doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> and um, my first psychedelic was salvia, salvia divinorum. And so all of these people were just like, you know, finding about I was 15 years old. It was right around, if not before I smoked weed actually. And I can't remember. But anyway, I looked it up on Arrowhead and I said, oh my God, they sell this in the store. This is like the marijuana, like fake marijuana thing. But then I went on Arrowhead and I was like, well, this is not fake marijuana. This is a sacred plant. Hmm. And I didn't really know what that meant because I was 15 and I grew up in like a sheltered white upper middle class Jewish neighborhood in Southern California. And I had no fucking idea what sacred plants were, hmm. unfortunately, yet. And I was like, oh, this was used by the Mazatec Indians in central Mexico for dream divination. And I was like, oh, dream divination. Dreams, I have those. I've always been like super, super, super vivid dreamer. Crazy, crazy, crazy sagas. And like, I have hundreds of pages of dream journals, hundreds. Um, so I was like, oh, dreams. Oh, that's interesting. I can relate to that. Oh, that sounds, that sounds fine. They've been using it for th a thousand years plus. Give it a shot. So I read the proper way to do it, did it, and then I dissolved into the universe. And I had no idea what that was, but I knew it was, it was familiar. So I, you know, essentially became like the salvia shaman for my friend group. Wow. So I took like 50 or 60 people on profoundly deep, like not fucking around like the full deal salvia journeys. And um, I remember as a 16 year old, I finally had the opportunity to, my friend came up to me and he's like, I took him on a journey. I was a 16 and 16 year old salvia shaman without knowing it. Just be so curious about this. And I was holding space for these people. I would find a soft, gentle place in nature I loved nature. I was, my grandfather was a naturalist. I grew up hiking, spending time in nature. I felt that was a natural resonance for doing these psychedelic journeys. And we would just go. And I had a friend who was like, David, we are not real. As a 16 year old kid, yeah. you know? And I was like, and then, and I knew it. I had done like 60, 70 journeys at this point. I was, you know, I was like, I know real Brandon you know then I discovered psilocybin and mm. um and then finally you know it wasn't until much later until I was 22 that I discovered LSD and mescaline and then finally DMT mm. and ayahuasca and peyote and all the other tools um so long story just to tell you the biggest way it impacted me is I believe in rewriting and writing our own narrative of what reality is. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like it's fair from a scientific or philosophical approach to say that reality is something 
other than a happening or there's no should or shouldn't. There's just stuff happening and it's this unceasingly unfolding isness of changing phenomena. Um, and the more I've leaned into understanding the true nature, indescribable with words, I'm not even gonna try, I'm doing a feeble attempt to describe the true nature of reality with words. But what it did was giving, give me an insight into the experience of something different. And that you can't tell people about, you can't tell people what it's like to have sex. Yeah. You, just have, you, can't, you can describe it with flowery language all day, but it's an experience. You can't tell people what it's like to fall in love for the first time. You can't tell people what it's like to experience reality from a totally different vantage point. And through meditation, I've learned that that experience can be cultivated, but psychedelics are a really, really great tool <laughs> for the mind to understand that there's something more to give it some hope, to give it something like, you know, you tell people about meditation and it's so scary and so daunting that you're like, I'm not going to meditate two hours a day for 20 years to, to understand what you're talking about. And you're like, you know what, just take like two grams of mushrooms mm. and go sit in the forest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just, I just did that this past weekend. <laughs> it was an equinox and every now and then I think that's, that's a very, very like healthy thing to do. So not it's every just, day, just, but like, oh no, yeah. every now and then, yeah, it could be like t twice a year or something, but yeah. I love that you mentioned the forest part because that's, that's what made me share that I just did that is for me, especially mushrooms, like, I would not want to take them at a party necessarily. Um, and I yeah. really, really feel like the soul understanding aspect shows up the moment I'm like <clears throat> either blindfolded and like in my own bed in a safe space or deeply in the forest. And I can just marvel around all these living beings that have been on this planet much longer than us. Yeah, totally. I mean, the, I'd say the greatest takeaway I've had overall from my psychedelic experience is, is, uh, is wonder, you know, that, I mean, if we could all live with a deeper sense of awe and wonder, we'd be having a great time. You know, humanity would be so much less bored, you know, like I feel like so much suffering just in humanity just comes out of boredom. You know, we, we we're trying to cope with this, the third dimension and being in this physical body when like we're, you know, for the first nine months of our existence, we're everything taken care of in, you know, in the womb of all of our nourishment, all of our warmth, all of our basic needs. And now we're just separated and bored and suffering mm. <laughs> as a species trying to figure out what the fuck is happening. I like and, the word bored there, David. I feel like, not to interject, but I feel like the word bored, you know, has such a negative rap. But what if bored is just this waiting space to birth something new? Right. Yeah, it is. Well, and then, you know, it's like, it's, I, I don't, it, it, boredom feels, it does feel negative to me, to be honest. And not say like negative to be a judgment on it, but in a way it is because, you know, I mean, the opposite of that would be in wonder and in awe. I mean, you're not bored when you're in awe and wonder, not, a, not for a moment. Um, and those spaces of awe and wonder that childlike wonder, and it's even in the Bible, you know, you want to return to the kingdom of heaven, you must return to being like a child. You know, it's always here. It's just all you just have to do is look at it. And 
I feel like boredom is just the opposite of that. It's just like this. You know, I farted st- when, I, when I first started doing Vipassana, I remember hearing this teacher say, well, now you never have to be bored <laughs> again. Because <laughs> anytime you're not doing anything, you can just be doing Vipassana. Mm. You know, you could be meditating anytime that you're just feeling bored and just, you know, either can find creating that space for what's wanting to be birthed. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Thank you for sharing sharing quite a bit again of like the, the, the like interaction with psychedelic in this case and over the years and then you know also for people like what what is possibly like a more mindful or more conscious way to to indulge in. That doesn't mean it needs to be the only way in, in my personal opinion, but I feel like oh. that's a great starting place. Right why 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 not use the, why not use it as a tool? Yeah, there are so many tools. You know, like if the ultimate goal is to feel in joy, feel. I mean, I'm not. I mean, the purpose of life. You could debate it, that one all day. You could have a whole podcast about it. But like, let's just say my feeling right now is to be as connected as possible to what I to what I've experienced a glimpse of. To feel that connection all time. Not to necessarily be in joy at all time, but to find the most amount of of connection and expression, and and help in others finding that connection and expression. That uh, you know, how can I live the maximum amount of time and spend them all my energy on that? If that was that feels like a purposeful life. I'm actually reading reading Man's Search for Meaning right now. I don't know if you've nice. read that, but. Yeah. Uh, Victor Frankl. Uh huh. And uh, you know, finding a purposeful way of living, a meaningful way of living. Why not use the tools that we've been given to <laughs> fucking do that? <laughs> you know, there's so much adversity. Mm. You know, I mean, I I love where you're where you're going there. Can you give us like your own maybe current? definition of what purpose is like what what is purpose in in your words Uh, well that's been a lot of been a lot of ruminating on that as i've been reading um man's search for meaning which if you're listening to this or watching this and not familiar it's by victor frankel it's incredible life-changing book um, it's about his experience in the concentration camp and after being a, psych- a psychiatrist and developing a, f- a form of therapy called logotherapy. And that and based on logos being, being the word meaning um, and a much deeper meaning than I think that we might attach to a, that when we talk about meaning, like, oh, yeah, I have a meaningful job. It's like, mm, no, 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 no. <laughs> We're talking about the primary evolutionary driver of your soul, mm. like the real meaning. Um, meaning that will get you through a concentration camp and living in that life and finding meaning in that experience. What is that meaning? Uh, what real true logos um, uh, I've taken a few things from the book in particular. One of them is a Nietzsche quote. Um, when a human has a why, they can endure almost any how. 
So that purpose, that, that why has to be a core purpose, a fundamental fuel for one's existence, for it to really have any gravity, for it to really mean anything. Um, that's the meaning that I'm interested in. I, you know, if other people are interested in finding meaning, meaning in like any, whatever you're doing, I, I, I support you. Um, my, <laughs> my search for meaning is more in that, that sense. Uh, I believe that our meaning comes out of love and I believe it comes out of suffering. I think that I've been thinking a lot and just writing a lot of philosophy. I'm like, what is the purpose of suffering? Like, why do we have to suffer? Like, if in the grand architecture of the game of life, like, why was it built in that there is suffering? Like, it didn't it didn't That's seem like it. Question. It didn't seem like it had to be that way. You know, like why? Like, there's plenty of people that make it through life with less suffering, maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. It's a very interesting question, right? Because like if you distinguish between suffering and contrast, I think like even in a future, future iteration of our reality, contrast might still be needed. Like really you need needed. contrast. Absolutely. Yeah, needed. But yeah. suffering particularly, I don't know if it's needed, but it's, it's there. So why is it there? Well, so here's, here's the thing. I, here's why it's there. <laughs> this is why yeah. it's there. This is the purpose of suffering. Suffering is not, a, the situation that we suffer in is not inherently necessary that one suffers. Suffer means that it, we, we're, it, feels, it feels bad, you know? That it, by its definition, it doesn't feel good. Um, and that's important uh, because we must accept at this point that suffering is a part of life. You don't make it out of life without suffering. Not possible. Um, I've never heard of an instance of it. Maybe people mitigating their suffering. The Buddha and Christ and all the other ascended masters learned how to mitigate suffering. Yeah. They suffered first. But they did, but they did experience They suffered it. A, yeah. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot. As much as you can. Um, and it, you know, so we must accept, this is what Viktor Frankl is saying that we must accept that suffering is inevitable. No one can suffer for you. No one. Yeah, that's true. You, you must accept that suffering is our task. And if we use, if we look at, and that's one of his purpose, that purpose for meaning, that search for meaning, his discovery in concentration camps was that our, the, his perspective of suffering took on a meaning at that time. And that was his meaning of how can I deal with the suffering? How am I choosing to react? Now that is the only thing that cannot be taken away from a human. The only thing you can take away their clothes, you can take the hair off their body. You can take everything, their dignity, but you can't take away the way that they choose to react. You can torture them, you can do anything, but the way we choose to react to our suffering, the way that we take on our task as a human being, take on our suffering is beautiful. And there's an intense amount of meaning that can be derived from that through love and through that mitigation of our suffering, because it's gonna happen.
Um, I like that, man. Um, it's profound, you know, it's profound yeah. to, to, to accept our suffering as our task, you know, mm. our, our, our unique task. No one will do it for you. And it looks different for everyone, right? It might it's be trivial for someone in the, in totally. the modern Western world, but for someone in a third world country, even now today, it might still be connected to, to like profound hard hardship, you know? And Well, look, here's the thing. It's like people suffering. like, it's still suffering. Mm. Everyone's emotions are valid. No one's emotions are wrong. Totally. If you have an alcoholic parent and you grew up in a privileged society and with all the things taken care of, that doesn't make your suffering less valid for you. Your experience, everyone's experience to that, their own unique personal experience is real for them. So it, now there is a pretty wide range of suffering. <laughs> the spectrum is very wide. And it does, I, I mean, like I got in a big fight with my uh, tour manager the day I started reading Man's Search for Meaning. I was like, just got back from Burning Man. I was fucking pissed about something. I just got really triggered. And then I read the first 10 pages. I was like, okay. Put things into perspective. <laughs> not, in a pers not in a concentration camp today. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have a great fucking day. Yeah. You know, so I mean, but it didn't make, you know, the suffering was real at the time. Perspective is a great teacher though, right? And, oh, yeah. and the privilege and then the, the responsibility that comes out of it. David, I'd love to ask like a follow-up question to kind of the meaning and purpose and um, psychedelics and, and music and how you've like, uh, like really understood for yourself this idea of like life is, is the art form, right? Mm. And that is, I feel like you travel so much. You're in different communities with different people all the time. Um, you probably have like your, your, your home zone as well that happens in between. And I know that there's probably like half a million people listening to your music every month alone. Right. But beyond your music, when you go to all these places, when you sit with people, when you share with people, now that you're sharing with us um, on Green Planet, Blue Planet, like what are the messages or the message and the impact? You mentioned legacy a little earlier that mm. you really want to transmit and give to people and share with people. This is a very interesting time to be a human. Um, There's a lot of, a lot on the table right now for humanity as a species. Um, it's such a deep uh, question. <clears throat> Just because I, I, I don't, I'm at a point where I'm not totally certain what to recommend to people. I can say that it's very challenging to live a life full of love and to navigate the, the material world of money and bills and responsibilities and children and automation of things. And you know, it's such a fucking crazy landscape right now. And I want to recommend to people, as I said earlier, to just follow their dreams. And I do, and I want to state, this is going to dip into like, there's a slight dark part of what I believe here, but 
if you don't follow your dreams, you're going to follow someone else who followed theirs. That's big. You know? Yeah. My buddy, I'll shout out to Tony Cho, my buddy who said that the other day at Burning Man, and it just hit me. I was like, fuck, man. You're so right. I mean, and even if you have to follow that all the way up, and let's say their dream was money and power, doesn't mean that they followed a dream that was their, you know, that their childhood dream. But they, they, if they, if their dream transformed into money, power, greed, oppression, those are things that have become people's dreams because they're confused and they're sleepwalking. They've forgotten our connection. Uh, they've forgotten abundance. Is that too loud in the background, by the way? We can hear it for sure. Um, no, you're just going to be get okay, look, you're going to be getting the opposite end right now. You're getting someone fully in the matrix yelling at someone because they're, that's their work. We'll name this person, but let's say that that's what's happening for them right now. They're in the matrix there. That's what the dream was stuff and things. Mm. And, um, so it's a welcome background sound in that case. <laughs> it's a real background sound. It's real because it's yeah. what's real for a lot of humanity right now. I took the leap. Mm. I didn't know anything was going to catch me. Um, that was really hard to do. It takes an enormous amount of courage. And it takes an enormous amount of inquiry mm. to ask the right questions of who I am, what am I, what am I living for, what is my purpose? Where do I come from? You know, taking those questions and sitting with them and asking them, sitting in gratitude to, to finally get to the place where I felt like I actually deserved the life that I have now. And after 10 years of still doing that, that doesn't change its challenges. You know, I'm mm. doing a 10 show national tour, poured every ounce of energy and dollar into a new band with no guarantees mm. and like, it just, there's all, as I said, we're scaling a cliff. It's like uh, putting those markers in, putting those nails in. And, um, yeah, so how anyway, could just, doubt not be part of that experience? How, it's just part of it and it's doubt and it's suffering and that's just what's, what it is. So, I mean, but, you know, to answer, to answer your, your question, kind of, I... I believe that all beings have the potential to achieve and or do the same amount of evil as any other being. We exist at a point, the intersection of time and eternity, where choice is possible. Yeah. In any moment, it is theoretically possible to be the next Hitler or the next Dalai Lama or anything in between. All possibilities exist and at any point in time exists the possibility to change to the uh, any other position, any other position on the spectrum of possibility. Um, now that's scary and a huge responsibility that would be the highest responsibility I think that's been like beholden unto the human is that we have the ability to experience God consciousness, to be the, our creator, to be the creator and author of our own destiny. Um, how you do that and how you maintain that and navigate the world 
of 2019 right now is, I don't have the answers for that right now. Um, I have a, a couple suggestions and tools I could maybe give. That'd be awesome. I think you already answered the question with what's your message and the impact beyond the music, right? But please, please share some of your insights as we're going into the 2020s, which probably on a technological end of things will be like unforeseen, man, the next decade. I mean, th yeah. this, this revolution here with like smartphones <laughs> just happened the last decades. But I know, it's so crazy. It. Wait, wait till that's implanted in your eyeball in like yeah. the next 10 years, you know, Neuralink and all the at least for a big part of population, maybe not for everyone. Yeah. No, you're going to have the people that are going to rebel. I mean, it's going to be so interesting. This is going to be such a fascinating time. And like, I, as you know, as you said, I think maybe I answered like, what is the purpose beyond the music? The purpose is that the, you know, there's something more. Music is a tool for transformation. Art and creativity are alchemical tools for transformation. My goal is that everything that I do inspires that in every other being, that they can come to that realization that I have the ability. Maybe I don't know what the fuck it is. I have no idea. It's full of fear and scarcity, and, but the potential is there. And I hope that every single thing that I do, musically, creatively, every party, every conversation, every podcast, inspires people to explore their capacity to have a joyful life hmm. and to bring joy to all other people and that that doesn't have to be comparative and competitive it's there's plenty to go around there's abundance for everybody we don't need to be living in this system and this model of comparison and competition we are but it is not necessary there are other ways of being and i believe that we're moving there and, the t and hopefully these tools and technology that we're just about to talk about are going to afford us the possibility to make that happen. Because hmm. two things can happen <laughs> at this point. It's kind of fun, you know? It's like there's two, basically two outcomes, pretty much. Maybe there's a third. I, I, I don't hope for the third. Because it feels either purely utopian or just goodbye, like done, where it's like, no, who cares then? I mean, like, you know, like, I don't, <laughs> I mean, who cares anyway? It's like humans are meaning making machines, you know, like we've attached meaning and we're, we're the ones, we're the ones yeah. making the meaning. Earth yeah. is going to be, earth is going to be fine on the cosmic time scale. This is just a, this is a joke that we care, but we care. And as long as we care and, we, and we've developed compassion and empathy for other species of things that are harmless on earth. <laughs> Uh, that you know we're trying to figure it out so and at this point we got we have the, the third option is like is super fucked up but it's not too far off from what a lot of the world is looking like now to be honest you know if we're having this if we are having this podcast in 2019 and i'm sitting in southern california and you're in bc there's a general likelihood that life is okay but if you're in fucking Bangladesh right now, you have a pretty high probability that your life looks like Mad Max. It's pretty dystopian. I mean, it's about as dystopian as any novel gets. You know, you watch Probably like- Probably for like half of the planet still, right? One in seven people on earth don't have water. Hmm. 
they don't have water. <laughs> I mean that that Nothing. alone gets me. That alone Nothing. gets me like triggered enough to have another one-hour conversation with you, man. Because oh, it's unbelievable. unbelievable that that the rivalrous game we've created stays in place as long as those facts are real, right? Like if that rivalrous game would create a, an environment that works for everyone, well, maybe we should be a rivalrous species. But we're not, and it isn't working. So, so it's what about working. the collaboration? It's you know, it's 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 like. You know, it's like even I, I laugh at that. I can laugh at the end of that because it's almost like it's it's to the point where it's like, how is that possible? How is it possible that you can have starvation and obesity on the same planet? It's 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 mind boggling. Well, if we're all one consciousness, let me let me shoot shoot for this one. If we're all one consciousness, which is the assumption I'll, I'll go with. Yeah. then it means that that one consciousness is still lying to itself. It's still not even seeing its own illusion, its own pretension, right? Yeah, we're like, we're as a teenager as consciousness. And maybe, if even. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe we're a little baby. We're, yeah. acting like, we're acting like a little baby, like a, having At a tantrum. At least the ones who are stewarding the ship, right? At least the ones who are in charge of the religions, the governments, and the, and the enterprises. And I think... Maybe that's yeah. that's where this flipping point or this this shifting point that you're that you're about to share more about is 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 really happening. Is that who's stewarding the ship kind of needs to change? Yeah. Well, here's what I would like, and this is I mean, this can sound super controversial, but let's go for it. Um, yeah, go for it. I just I think the narrative that we've been telling about our species is wrong. I think it's fundamentally not correct i think it's a big fucking lie actually and um i i think that there's a lot of it that's correct if you're talking about linear time like i'm not even convinced at this point that time is linear at all in fact it's suggested that more time is circular and ha not only is it circular it's happening on infinite planes so there's so much <laughs> happening of like can you actually affect the past? Maybe you actually can. Maybe our understanding of reality is not what we've, what we think it is. You know, maybe it's not working a desk job. Maybe that's not the story that we should be telling ourselves. Maybe it's we're older than twelve thousand years old. Maybe we're actually an interplanetary, interstellar species. Maybe our genetics were spliced with another species. Maybe our prefrontal cortex grew in a way unnatural to the evolutionary story that we're, we're told. Uh, maybe the qualities that make humans seem so different from other species on Earth uh, Interesting have, questions there, yeah. have had a little bit of alteration maybe a little bit of interference so i'm just curious you know it sounds so controversial and out there but every single thing has when einstein came on the theory of relativity or gravity or any of these other laws or the ptolemic flat earth central of the central of the universe i mean there's so many schools of thought where we've dramatically changed it's purely ignorance and closed-mindedness which keeps us from the possibility that something else is it's happening. even almost logical to expect that there will be another 
evolution of our scientific paradigm, right? Like it's been happening every 100, 150 years for the last like thousands of years, like forever. Yeah, forever. Is- <laughs> and, and I mean, the questions you're raising are maybe controversial, but what other evolutionary theories are out there? I mean, there's the, there's the stoned Stone ape theory. theory, which I think is an interesting one that we at some point found mushrooms and they exponentially evolved our, our, our brain, right? There's the evolutionary story is different for many different people on the planet. As you said, there's a large part of Christianity that is um, really um, kind of taught to believe in a seven day creation uh, legend, which I think is a beautiful story, but it's, it's more like a story and like, um, you know, it keeps your consciousness kind of at bay story. I, I don't, I, I'm at this point not convinced on any other possibility over any other possibility. And here's why. Hmm. It's totally plausible that this is a simulation. It's totally po- plausible that this is ready player one, you know? It's equally as plausible as a flying spaghetti monster. It's equally as plausible as Jesus being Lord and Savior and us burning in hell for eternity if we don't atone for our sins. It's equally, why are any of these any more plausible? Because every bit of scientific evidence, science is based on rational mind, logical mind. That can't work in a universe which has shown itself to be irrational and irrational and illogical the foundation of i mean of course there's some organizational principles of the universe we can see them right and that's what science is for right is to like repeat try provable in the third dimension so we can create kind of lines within that dimension to continue this this human projection yeah. or game or illusion or whatever you want to call it but but yeah, in terms of this origin of our species, I mean, we don't know if we came from mushroom bodies and outer space. We just or don't, know anything, don't know anything. You know, it's like, that's why I science love Science doesn't even know it. I mean, science, science, no. knows, science knows nothing. There's a lot of assumptions, but even the, because the, entire, the entirety of science is based on this is real. But it might not be. And there's nothing that science can do right now to prove definitively that reality is real there's nothing that proves that that anything in the past actually ever happened it 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 could be created all the time like every single moment every memory every story could be created i'm not saying that's likely i watched this on a video the other day and it was just like everything it could be but the fact that it's possible it's those possibilities which you know, I think it's what Einstein said makes my uh, my math and my equations so beautiful are all the things that we cannot even, I'm not even going to try to explain. Mm. But makes, you know, humans didn't invent math. We discovered math. Yeah, I try to share that as often as possible because, you know, yes, we defined numbers. We invented numbers, but we didn't invent math. It's one of the languages of the universe. It's the language of the universe. You know, there are possibly music is another one. I would suggest that music is a language of the universe. Um, And the whole there's a lot around that music of the spheres. I guess all I'm trying to say is I just don't know what the fuck is going on. And as from a Taoist perspective, it says in the you know uh, in the beginning was the Tao. Is not definable. It is unnameable, and the unnameable is the eternally real. Hmm. I love the Tao, man. And I love the Tao because it's like, it's not, it's just, it's the art of the way. 
It's not telling me what is actually happening objectively other than like stuff is happening. <laughs> you are happening. You're actually not separate. You know, you are, you can never comprehend with your mind the true nature of all that is, but you are programmed to try to comprehend with our mind. You're programmed to try to be scientific, rational, logical, pragmatic, practical, all of these words that define our thinking, reasoning mind. But the foundation of all the universe is just this happening. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with you on, on that last bit there. Like, that's just the way that that mind is currently programmed, right? Like it, and only for most people in the modern paradigm, if we go to nature tribes around the world, they have a very different way of looking at reality. Totally. And some of those beings that I was blessed to spend time with, they feel like legit outer space aliens to me because yeah. they're so far away from what I perceive normal or human, but yet they, they share, they share a human perspective as well. And it, mm -hmm. man, it, I appreciate you for, for trailing off there a bit and kind of going into the question of why the human experience in the first place. I know what I would have expected from an interview with, with uh, AKA the human experience. Right? People so, are like, tell me about music and stuff. And I'm like, what about the universe? Yeah. This shit is fucking blowing my mind. No, you know, no, no, I, love me, it. Yeah. I love it. Let me ask a last question to kind of yeah. uh, bring it back to, to the, the 3d experience of David mm -hmm. and, Go as deep or shallow as you want there, but I want to know from you, what is required for you to experience trust? Mm. Well, I feel like trust comes out of safety and security, like my first physical safety and then emotional safety. And then you feel like once that, safety is established that is what that trust is um i'm leaning into this principle called dhamma and from vipassana uh, which are the laws of nature and that is that trust is that this is all worked out that all of my suffering or something would be like, oh, fuck, I can't believe that video I just spent thousands of dollars on and like all my energy on got like 50 likes. Like, oh, like what the fuck, you know? Or like this thing I put zero time into got like the most traction I've ever done. Like I got to trust that that nature has worked out. Um, I feel like trust and surrender go really hand in hand for me. Um, and that's just like, I, by surrendering, I trust and I trust that the universe has got my back. Hmm. Even if it just looks like it just sucks sometimes. You know, why good things happen to bad people? Why bad things happen to good people? Why did my friend die yesterday? Hmm. I have to trust that it's all working out, you know? Like, I'll just, I'll leave you with just a, a little story because I really believe that the universe is conspiring in all of us because it is us. We are that thing that we are talking about. We are all the other beings we are judging. 
Why do you want babes? Christina's talking. My wife is talking to me. We are my wife. I am my wife, you know? Who's talking to me right now? I'll be done in a second, sweetie. Um, we are all those things, you know? We are all the bad people. We're all the good people. And I just have to trust that it's all happening in a way that's supposed to happen, that I can't pretend to control, that I try to let go of my logical, rational, reasoning mind. I use it every day, you know? I'm planning a 10-show national tour when I get off this interview with you. Come check us out on tour. Come check out Gone Gone Beyond and the human experience. Listen to the new album. I got to upload it on three-dimensional reality distro kid whatever so you can listen to it i gotta navigate that world but i gotta trust that the choices i'm making are the right choices i gotta trust that like i have to trust my intuition which i think is a big part of the masculine embodying that a deeper feminine quality not a male or female quality but a feminine quality of our intuition and use our masculine direction and purpose that all beings have to move forward to um yeah, so that's, that's what i'm doing at all time i'm i'm just trusting and just leaning into what does it look like for me i have hopefully people are keeping listening to my music because it pays me money <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully people still want to come to the shows and they will you know, they and will if you, thank and you, if you so much for for that you know, like, longer answer i like how you brought it back to the universe right away again <laughs> Go on. I know I want you to buy a three third dimensional t-shirt at my show. So when you come to my third dimensional show with third dimensional music, buy a third dimensional t-shirt using your third dimensional credit card or whatever the hell you want to use to wear on your third dimensional tap body. to wear on your third dimensional body. Um, but yeah, trust is just looks like so many things, but I, I'll just tell you a really quick story before we end. Yesterday I went to, I love gardens. I love botanical gardens. I grew up, going to them with my mom and my family and it was my mom's birthday and she's visiting in LA yesterday today was a day full of all sorts of weird shit but if you want to know that the universe the more you check it out with the universe the more you trust the universe the more things try to show themselves to you and I think it gives you signs so we go to this garden my mom walks into a plant like a, we're in the cactus area of the botanical garden she walks into a cactus and it stabs her in the arm and, uh, and she's like, ah, oh, stab me in the arm. <laughs> Fuck. And I was like, oh shit. And so finally some woman walks by and she's like, do you have some, like a tissue, something I could get the blood off my arm? And she's like, I do. And she's with this younger guy around my, you know, my, some guy around my age looking kind of, you know, like a different kind of person. A lot of botanical gardens are filled with like old people, unfortunately. And he's like, you know, he's like weird haircut. And I'm just like, what's this guy's deal? So, you know, so we, we're walking for a little bit and, Ever, nothing really ends up happening. We just like walk for like five or 10 minutes and then they end up walking away. I go to this restaurant like 45 minutes in a different part of Los Angeles after. I walk in the restaurant and it's that mom and his, her son sitting at the restaurant that we were going to have dinner at. And so because I'm now I, like, I, this happens to me all the time now and I'm just like, so what's your, I'm like, okay. So I just looked at it. I was like, whoa. I was like, cool, man. What's your deal? What's your, you know, I just moved here to Los Angeles and we're cool. Yeah. He's going to, I'm going to be in, I'm in New York. He's like, I'm going to be in New York for a play. I just did. Oh, cool. What do you do? He's like, I'm a music composer. 
I said, oh, me too. Wow. <laughs> we should probably hang out. <laughs> both with your mom in a botanical garden. Both with my mom in a botanical garden, both the same age, both, you know, both da, 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 da. You know, so it's it, like, you just got to trust shit. This something is happening. Wake up to it. Take control of our own it. life. Yeah. Wake up to the, the wisdom of our planet the wisdom of nature she's alive it's a living being you are a cell on a living being work with the other cells you know wake up wow man i love it this is this is a great way to end it i just want to ask you about these 10 tour dates starting yeah. when ending when technically it's 12 but i guess we're doing with gone gone beyond 10 uh depending on when this podcast comes out i play in santa cruz this friday solo and it starts um it's all the pacific northwest so october uh, november no no it's all it's all of october it's this last date of september september 27th i'm playing in santa cruz and then october 2nd through october 17th that's the primary part of the tour it's called things are changing is the name of the tour um nevada city petaluma san francisco eugene portland seattle victoria vancouver yeah, yeah come check us out excellent i will make sure this goes out before too late into the day, october so more people can come and and uh, join david Please thank you so do. much for the time thanks for bringing us into your um your, your world there for a bit um, both through story and also through lots of background sound yeah <laughs> interesting what an interesting uh polarity yeah yeah the world is full of it right <laughs> yeah it's our job to harmonize with it yeah. yeah uh thanks for taking the time i really appreciate it good to talk with you and yeah thank you And that's that, another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I truly hope you had a good time listening to this interview and gained some form of new perspective, insight, or knowledge that serves you, that enriches your life. And if that's the case, make sure to share this episode, subscribe to the podcast, follow the social media on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and simply be part of the conversation, one step at a time, wherever you are, have yourself a stellar day.